0: Hi everyone and welcome to Sama. It's our 20th Sama episode today and uh, as a special bonus we've decided to give everyone 50% off the cost of the videos and uh, well fortunately all our videos are free. Um, this week we have uh, Kai uh, Takeyama with us. Um, he's a 25 year old holistic health practitioner. 45. 45. Uh, what, what did you think I said? 25 <laughs> we'll, go, we'll, we'll run with 25 but he's <laughs> allegedly he looks 25 but he's allegedly 45 he's had 15 years of experience working in the field of social services and for non-profit agencies assisting the homeless HIV plus uh, positive uh, mentally ill and substance abusers so Kai truly is a person that gives to the community as he's doing now uh, currently kai operates an alternative health practice from home where he provides clients with pulse dmf therapy fire infrared therapy uh, reiki uh, trigger point therapy and diet and lifestyle counseling uh in this episode we'll be covering pulse dmf therapy and colloidal silver so welcome uh, to us twentieth summer, and um Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, start this ball rolling. Uh, I wanted to talk um, first of all about the uh, post-MF therapy. Sure. uh, Part of what you do in your your clinic. Um, If you can tell us a bit about what you do.
1: Okay, so the title I guess is a holistic health practitioner. Um, I, I do offer several different technologies and I'm slowly incorporating Spooky now into what I do as I've become more familiar with the technology and the software. Um, but primarily, like you said, PEMF therapy, far infrared therapy. Uh, I do a little bit of Reiki, not often, but um, occasionally, and then uh, trigger point therapy. And um, I, I counsel in, you know, in order to make a holistic approach. Um, the four components of the human experience are mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. So you can't have true health unless you have balance in all four of those areas. So I I counsel people with, you know, diet changes, lifestyle changes, you know, say quitting smoking, alcohol consumption, those types of things.
0: Wonderful. Now, the counselling that you do is is um, a big part of your practice, I believe.
1: Um, uh, it's not. A, uh, I wouldn't say it's like a core component. It, it's it's a complementary thing, you know. So, um, I focus on trying to get people to recognize what they are doing wrong rather than telling people what they should do. So um, say we'll talk about um, exposure to toxins in their household, like what kind of household cleaners they're using or um, what type of body care products they're using. And I, I, the one thing I try to get people to do is learn how to read the ingredient label. That's one of the most important things anybody can learn to do when they're buying anything, food, personal care products, anything in the store. Read the ingredient label. If you can't pronounce it, you probably shouldn't be putting it in your body. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I try to take a holistic approach. But my primary, my core um, modalities are PEMF and far infrared. That's what I started out doing, and that's what's carried through.
0: I've noticed a disturbing trend amongst products in the supermarkets that the ingredients list is becoming smaller and smaller. So legally, the ingredients are on the containers, but it's so hard to read.
1: Not just that, they're changing the name. You know, like, like say, high fructose corn syrup here in the US, the FDA has approved the name change to uh, corn syrup, so that there's no high fructose there anymore. So. I mean, when you consider that ninety percent of the corn manufactured in the United States is genetically modified, you, unless it's organic, chances are you're getting something that's genetically modified. So yeah, there's a lot of trickery going on with uh, with ingredient labels, but if people keep up with it, if you' you know if you want to stay healthy, you've got to inform yourself, you've got to make the effort to know what's on those labels. And if you see something that you don't know what it is, everybody's got a smartphone. Information's no more than a few buttons on your hand away and you can ask and figure out what am I putting into my body? And once you get into the habit, coming to someone like me becomes less and less necessary because the body does what it's supposed to do. The body's designed to heal from any infection, any disease, any illness, Um, but we are the ones that are preventing our bodies from being at their optimal functioning. So when we learn to make better choices, you know the the results are always positive
0: right and i believe it's not just foods that you've got to be careful with ingredients it's also topical creams makeups uh, soaps
1: anything you put on your skin the skin is the biggest organ of the body that's something that most people don't know so the skin absorbs um and and it releases but mostly absorbs far number greater toxins than anything you put into your mouth so, um, you know, knowing what's in your shampoos, your, your lotions, uh, uh, your conditioners, all of that stuff, you know, it might make your hair feel nice and fluffy and, you know, and smooth, but what is it doing to your immune system? Um, yeah, and it's, it's not just personal care products. I mean, any, everything's got ingredients now. Like, um, take, for instance, BPA. BPA is now a bisphenol which is the big thing in plastics. So now there's a push to get BPA out, but there's thousands and thousands of different chemicals in the, the plates that we use, in the takeout containers, in the cups. I mean, McDonald's is going through um, a lawsuit right now um, for straws. And they are, they are millions and millions of these single-use disposable straws End up in the oceans and now they're polluting the oceans with all the plastics you know because the straws break down and so yeah i mean people just got to make better choices um i have not eaten fast food junk food um soda i think it's 10 years now um i have no cravings for you know that kind of stuff and i'm in better health now than i was 20 years ago so making better choices will definitely bring
0: results
1: that bring positive results
0: you are looking pretty pretty good, cool, which is why I made the mistake about you being twenty five um I, yeah. I used
1: to get carded for alcohol up until a few months ago so <laughs>
0: <laughs> now um the post dmf therapy um yes. when, when you uh, how do you apply it to your the your people that come in
1: okay so the machine that i use is a uh, it's an m a s sport multi plus uh it's a clinic grade machine um Frequency range is zero to 2,000 Hertz. Um, Maximum power is 100 Tesla. Um, It has three different waveforms, but some of the programs are fairly limited. So um, there are quite a few programs in the machine that are set as far as the, if you can't change any of the options, Um, like the the bio rhythms, which are made for morning, noon, evening, night. Those are eight minutes. They're triangle waveforms. They're set, like you cannot modify them. Um, Other programs the sine wave square wave rectangle. um, Do you have a little more leeway? So uh, What I started out with was the basic programs in the machine and Over time figured out. Okay. This was too strong This was too weak uh, these frequencies work, but these frequencies don't so there's a section on the machine where I can program up to 20 of my own programs and these are programs that I have created based on my experiences over the last almost five years of working with people as to what works um, unfortunately, because of the frequency range, I'm limited to two thousand hertz. Um, there's, I mean, as most spooky users know, you know, when we, when you look at the frequencies, especially with the killing frequencies, uh, most bacteria operate in a much higher frequency range. Um, so I, the machine that I use is not capable of killing pathogens, but the range of zero to two thousand or one to two thousand is very effective, uh, say for uh, working with bone fractures, uh, reducing inflammation. Um, uh, healing. Um, I mean, there's there's so many benefits. I, I if you want, I can go into the actual process whereby the PEMF fields work with cells um, on the cell membranes. Uh, but I mean, I don't know how deep you want to go into that part, the science.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we can touch a little bit on that because there'll be a lot of viewers that will be interested.
1: Okay, so for me, there's two primary mechanisms that that PEMF works through. Everything in the body is an electrom- electromechanical reaction. Um, without electricity none of the functions that occur in our body would happen so on the uh, first thing would be pain and inflammation pain and, uh, well pain specifically is nothing more than an electrical signal so when I move my arm up and down like this it's my brain sending a signal to my muscles telling my muscles to move my arm sends signals back to my brain with feedback your arm is here these are the sensations so it's nothing more than an electrical signal what PEMF does is it basically has a calming effect on those electrical signals um, to help reduce the pain. Uh, On that level, it's not actually doing anything to heal or cure the problem, but it's basically it's acting like an analgesic. Um, Now when it comes to say more serious conditions, illness, um, diseases, cancer, um, uh, what PMF therapy does, so um, you basically understand that all cells have a membrane and that membrane resonates at a very specific frequency. So Although viruses and pathogens vibrate at a much higher frequency than what my machine is capable of, um, blood cells, uh, oxygen cells, um, CO2, like the cells that in our body that we need to survive, um, there's what's called the cellular pump. So the electrical charge on the membrane of the cell, uh, what it does is it allows oxygen, nutrients, water into the cell and then pushes toxins and byproducts out. Uh, if that electrical charge becomes weak, then you lose the function of the cell. The cell begins to die. So by strengthening, what the what the PMF fields do is they help to strengthen the membrane of the cell in order to allow that, that cellular pump to work more efficiently, which improves oxygenation, uh, removal of toxins, um, improves the ability of the white blood cells to uh, attack pathogens. Um, so there, there's two primary processes, and there are other middle um minimal or smaller um, ways in which PMF works, but those are the two that I am most concerned
0: with. Right. Okay. Um, now, we, um, I've got a list of questions which um, users have uh, sent to us, um, and I'll be asking you know, the, these questions throughout the talk. Um, one of the questions was, um, can you tell us, please, the difference between good EMFs and bad EMFs?
1: Well, you're going to hear a term called electrosmog very often. So electrosmog is the negative EMFs emitted by cell phones, cordless phones, computers, TVs, anything electronic that you plug into a wall is going to have some measure of an electronic field, Um, even the the household wiring. So if you sleep near an electrical outlet, there's a very high probability that you're going to be exposed to negative EMFs. Now, the reason why most Electrical wiring is negative is because it oscillates at a very specific frequency, which is 60 Hertz Well here in the u.s. It's 60 Hertz. I'm not sure what it is there um, But it's it's not that 60 Hertz in and of itself is a bad frequency I, I was looking through spooky uh, several times and I noticed that 60 came up quite often for different programs It's not that 60 in itself is bad. It's the fact that it's oscillating Constantly at 60 Hertz. It doesn't change it's um, I mean, you could take a. I mean, I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, anything that anything can be good or bad for the body. So anything in excess can cause damage. So that's what the electrical wiring does, or or electrosmog. Um, now, good EMS. There's three primary things that you want to look for. One is a constant change in the frequency, well, a, a regular change every few minutes or every you know every so often, um, and change in the intensity. Uh, it helps to benefit. If you keep it at a constant tensity, intensity, uh, cells tend to adapt very quickly. So you want to alter the intensity every so often. And then the type of the waveform. Now, without going into too much detail, here in the U.S., uh, another problem with the electrical wiring in our household is that the wiring carries what's known as a lily wave, which is a carrier wave on top of the, the primary um, the 60 hertz cycling. And this, this carrier wave is supposed to be additionally harmful um, to us. I mean, if anybody wants to look that up, again, that's a whole other subject, but if they look it up, I'm sure that they could find some information because I know there are quite a few articles on the internet about it. Um, but so with PEMFs, it's, it's, you know, it's the primary ones are sine, square, triangle, and um, sawtooth. So those are the four that you're going to have. and um, the main thing is to use different ones, experiment with them, and find out what works for you because they're they're not they're going to have different benefits.
0: The uh, supply authorities found that the lily wave uh, was the one that was easily transported over the sinusoidal of sixty hertz or fifty hertz, and it is also the waveform that was um, best suited for transfer through your skull to your brain. <laughs> and so, some people started up with their um, Um, the theories of why people, you know, what what they're trying to do inside our heads.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I've read that it just, I've read from it just makes the electricity work better to, uh, you know, a really far fringe, which is that it's intentionally there to cause um, psychological issues, mental issues, so.
0: Right. Okay, so... um, what you're saying is, a, the it's not so much the sixty hertz that's harmful, but the fact it's being being applied continuously, constantly.
1: Yeah, and you could you could do that with any frequency. It doesn't matter what the frequency is, but if you leave it on constantly and run it twenty four seven, it's gonna have um, some effects in the body. Everything in the body is by you know because everything is electricity. Electricity is nothing more than vibration. So when you when you have a constant vibration, um, eventually it, it causes Uh, Fatigue in the cells the cells become fatigued in your body, and they shut down so you could have got 100 Hertz 120 Hertz it doesn't matter, but it's that constant uh, frequency that causes the damage
0: right Um, now is the um, The FDA approve uh, Post-DMF for any any purposes just
1: two. so it's uh, a post-operative therapy and for bone breaks or bone fractures. Uh, those are the only two that I, like if some a client comes in to see me, those are the only two therapies that I can say are approved by the FDA for PEMF use.
0: Okay. Uh, with the um, technology, um, does it have any problems? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it an established technology?
1: No. I, the, the major issue has been, again, a we're applying frequencies, we're applying energy, we're applying different waveforms. There's no, I mean, aside from the work of people like Hilda Clark and Royal Reif, uh, there's very little science out there as to what's appropriate. On top of that, you have to take into consideration that different genetics, different environments, um, different lifestyles, uh, different injuries. I mean, there's there's a whole range of considerations that go into providing PMF therapy. So. Uh, it's it, there's a lot of trial and error uh, someone can come in for me uh, with just basic you know uh, say fibromyalgia aches and pains all over their body what works for one person may not work for another person or it could be something as simple as changing the intensity by 20 percent, you know but using the same frequencies so there is some trial and error that i think that would be the major barrier to what i do but when you find that magic frequency it, it's it's quite amazing i mean it's 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 how quickly people respond is um it's sometimes it's you know it's, it's really surprising it's caught me off guard several times but on the token there have other there have been people where they came to me for help they may have received a little bit of relief of their pain but they didn't get what they were looking for so um and i had to tell them at some point like i'm sorry i i've run out of my my options i'm not sure where to go with it you know maybe this is not the right thing and it doesn't mean that pemf therapy doesn't work or it wasn't good for them um sometimes it's a totally different factor that has you know like i said there's four components of the human experience mental emotional spiritual physical nothing that i do is going to solve somebody who is in a constant state of suicide or depression when you feel bad all the time your body is going to respond in kind so you could come to me every single day, and not get any benefits because it could be it could be your mental state, it could be your diet. You know, somebody coming to see me, but then they leave, they go home and drink a six pack of beer. You know, they're they're not going to get any benefit. They're going to continue to feel like feel horrible. So, um, yeah, you know, that's one of the reasons why I started to counsel get, uh, as to lifestyle, make more um, to bring that in because I realized that there was a lot more to it than just what I was offering.
0: Right. Are there any people that must not use um, post DMF therapy?
1: So the two primary groups are people with uh, pacemakers or electronic equipment implanted. Uh, Some people have what are known as diabetic pumps or insulin pumps, anything electronic, Um, and then uh, pregnant women. Uh, If you ask me, my my opinion, I, I don't think that there's much of a risk. But everything these days, you know, you've got to have that disclaimer that pregnant women should not use a product or should not use a technology just for the risks of the baby. But um, I really don't think that EMF fields at this level, um, even at maximum for my machine, 100, 100 Tesla, is not, I really don't think that that's going to cause a significant amount of damage.
0: Right. And do you often supplement your pulse DMF treatments with other forms of treatments or supplements?
1: Yes, definitely. So what usually happens is when people come in to see me, um, the summer times is harder because it's so hot and warm, warm and humid here. Um, I, I have a far infrared that I use. Uh, it's made by a company called Biomat. And so uh, there are benefits to the use of the Biomat, improved circulation, improved immunity, uh, improved um, uh, fat metabolism, um, reduction of inflammation. So th- th- that has a, its own set of benefits. But what I usually do is sandwich people. So I do 45 minutes of PEMF. I do 45 minutes of far infrared. Now that I've got spooky, though, it gives me a little more options, um, especially when I have multiple clients at the same time. I'm not limited to just one or two stations. But um, yeah, so I try to incorporate as much as possible. Uh, My problem is that I want to give people so so much service in one session that I tend to go overboard. And I try to do too much within a time period that I'm given rather than just focusing on one specific thing.
0: Well, you'd make a terrible doctor then because... <laughs> I,
1: I have a client who calls me Dr. Kai all the time and I <laughs> scold her because I say, I'm not a doctor. You can't call me that. I said, you know, if anybody were to hear that, I could get in trouble. But I said, I, she just jokes with me. But you know, I, I tell people I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor. You know, this is like we talked about the other night. Most of the information that I utilize started out for me trying to deal with my own personal Ill- my own personal issues. Uh, going back 10 years ago, I had severe scoliosis, a severe lower back pain. Um, I was very depressed, almost suicidal. Um, wow. I was sick all the time. I was it, it, My life just wasn't going in the direction I wanted to. I got to the point where I said, I don't want to live like this anymore. So I started the search and what I need to do to get healthy, to get happy and to, to live the life I wanted. So, what i'm doing is simply offering you know therapies technologies modalities that have worked for me i don't give anybody or do anything with anyone until i've done a significant amount of research um and used the the therapies myself um colloidal silver i did two years worth of research before i even bought my first generator and uh, you know i I wanted to make sure that it was something that um i had i was informed it was i made informed choice so
0: there's um, a few questions that have come in, sure. um, let's have a look, uh, the uh, Bob Beck micropulsing device is used for killing bugs, uh, do you know what frequency it operates at, the Bob Beck No one. I'm
1: sorry I do not,
0: I think the Bob I, Beck, yeah, I would
1: believe it's probably higher than 2,000
0: Okay, my I was going to say 4 hertz because I know that he was more into DC, electrifying the blood, but maybe okay, I'm wait, wrong.
1: I'm, I have to make one correction. Roger Davidson, 100 Tesla's massive correct. I, I should have said 100 micro Tesla. Um, that was a miss, misspake, uh, misspoken on my part.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good, good uh, spot in there, Roger. Um, and uh, uh, you're looking at the questions too, Kai. The last one is, what kind of diseases uh, can you treat? With post emf
1: Okay, I guess then that will you know that uh, that'll go along. Um, well, actually, no. Lens was asking about colloidal silver, so we'll get to that after. But um, um, again, it's I try not to look at things in the term of diseases. Uh, that label for me is it's it's just a series of symptoms that somebody somewhere said, okay, you have these symptoms. Okay, we're going to give you this label, this disease. So with PMF. Um, I can't really say, okay, you've got fibromyalgia or you've got rheumatoid arthritis or you've got cancer. I can't say, I unfortunately cannot tell these people um, that I'm going to treat this disease or I'm gonna resolve this illness. What I do though is I take the symptoms that they're coming. So when they come into me, I ask them, what are your symptoms? What are you feeling? What sensations? Where's the pain located? Um, What type of pain? What's the intensity of the pain? Um, most of the people come to see me, it's for pain and inflammation. Um, I, I don't I haven't worked very much with people who have serious illnesses, especially say cancer. But um, with the pain and inflammation, I, I get asked a series of questions. And based on the location on the body, um, how severe the pain is, I'll determine whether or not I want to do a full I have there's two two methods I can provide treatment. I have a full body mat that people lay on. And I have a small little pillow that's maybe about that big that I can do spot treatments. So um, if it's a very severe pain in one specific location, I'll do a spot treatment with the pillow. If it's a broad, more general pain or discomfort, I'll use the mat. Um, so it's. it's um, but I mean, as far as diseases, I can't really say. I try not to. I try not to use that term just because of what the FDA has said I can and cannot do. So uh, yeah, I don't really treat diseases. <laughs>
0: Okay, but um, well, even treating, but you you assist uh, for the control of ailments.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, like PMF. I they're they're asking what I do with PMF now. Again, PMF is just one modality out of a basket that I utilize um, now, especially with spooky. Uh, I think going after the causes, specifically pathogens, viruses, uh, bacteria, molds, that kind of thing, is going to be a little bit easier. But that will be with spooky. Now, with the PEMF unit that I'm using, I really don't think that it's it's designed for that. So, I mean, I can't say that I go after diseases. I'm with the with my PEMF machine. It's going to be more focused on pain, inflammation, mobility. Um, you know, getting people moving again.
0: Okay. Um... Two printed questions. Um, one from Kajia uh, Lobenstein. I hope you've uh, pronounced your name correctly. Um, this person um, is asking the question: Can people smell EMF? And we were discussing this earlier.
1: I I have never smelled anything. I don't know. Well, I mean, it would, again, it would depend. I don't think if you if you're using a PEMF machine. I definitely don't think you're going to smell anything from it. Uh, you, you know, it doesn't matter the strength or the type of machine. I don't think you're really going to smell anything for that. Now, negative EMFs, like you had mentioned, maybe somebody is smelling halogen that's being produced from the electrical current. I mean, that would be the only thing that I could think of. But other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> mm. There's, yeah. Some people do have a quite an extraordinary um, sense of taste, and by extension, they, their sense of smell is also quite um, quite. Uh, pronounced and well, I've, uh, I've
1: heard of people who get their uh, sensory uh, paths crossed so that they they see sounds they smell colors like that kind of thing so I mean, maybe it is uh, maybe it is that there's somehow their sense is you know they can pick up on EMFs, but it's registering as a smell rather than um, a sight or you know hearing
0: right that, that that's true um, another th- thought that I had before was the house might be Um, the foundations might be over a high voltage line that supplies the neighborhood so maybe it's getting an ozone coming up from the ground Um, so it's not something common but I I guess it is possible. I've Uh, never
1: actually even heard of it before so I'm I'm not sure how common it would be.
0: Okay and uh, Roger Knights has asked, uh, what is the best way to detect bad EMF?
1: You can get an EMF meter um, they're they're not that expensive. I, I believe Amazon sells them. And uh, I, I mean, if you, you can get a cheap one, which will do the basic job, there are better ones that give you more accurate readings. And you know, there's some options as far as um, the type of um, EMFs that you're sensing. But the only thing I could recommend would be an EMF meter. That's you can actually use an EMF meter also to test the PMF, um, the strength of a PMF field for for a PMF mat. Um, so it's a good thing
0: to have I think for the for most people's um, uh, needs a simple um, handheld detector would suffice because you know like a like point01 micro doesn't really mean much to the to the layperson mm-hmm. but but if you have a needle that goes for them the from the uh, green to the red, that means more. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and I guess all we really need to know is: is there a, a you know a significant level of EMF? Um, and just one other point, Roger, about your question: you're talking about detecting bad EMF. Pretty much all EMF is bad. Um, certainly, if it's at a continuous frequency, which is what we we're talking about before with the mains frequency. Uh, if the frequency is changing all the time, then there's less, um, less of a uh, detrimental biological effect. Um, it's one reason why we specifically designed Spooky Central so it wouldn't use a fixed carrier, because a fixed carrier is... Yep, bad EMF. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't often talked about, but um, there we have it. Okay, um, so there was one other... Um, Question, Steve Morley, he's asked online, um, is short duration pulse DMF uh, with high intensity short pulses more effective than longer sessions at lower intensities?
1: Um, okay, so in my experience, there, there are two different types and now the, the high intensity and high frequency work much better for acute conditions. So let's say that you were out playing football today and somebody, you know, you got hurt, you pulled the muscle, strained the ligament. Um, That acute injury, which is usually within 24 to 48 hours, will respond initially much better to uh, high frequency, high intensity. Whereas when you're looking at um, long-term healing, reduction of scar tissue, um, uh, healing of actual uh, uh, tissue that's damaged, um, you want to work with, say, uh, a lower frequency range. M- my machine, when I'm doing more therapeutic work, is in a range of about 1 to 30. Uh, that's the primary range that I work with. Um, for more, se- When I have people who have more severe pains, um, I'll go up to, say, 100 uh, hertz. And then when it's a severe acute, uh, like somebody comes into me that day, they hurt themselves in a fall. Uh, I had a client, older client, she fell last week on her way to see me. Um, mm. which was unfortunate so she was uh, she had some abrasions all over her leg and uh, a bruise on her um, on her left mm. knee. So we treated with the pillow we did a high frequency high intensity um, she told me at the end of the session that day there was no pain she walked out of there she said she wasn't feeling any pain wow. um, and over the next couple of days she also gets colloidal silver for me so she sprayed the uh, the abrasions with colloidal silver and um, that was last week Tuesday she came in today to see me again and, there, there wasn't much there, and she was walking fine. And she said, "There's been no pain." So, the the settings um, they're going to depend on the application. Uh, you definitely don't want to use high intensity, high frequency over the long term. That that could be detrimental. Whereas you don't want to um, for acute, immediate injuries. Low frequency, low intensity is not going to do very much. It's going to have very little effect.
0: Okay. Uh, another question from Roger Davidson, um, he's talking about the uh, Bob Beck Pulsar. Uh, he says that the pulse treatment time is approximately two seconds, and in most cases the pain disappears or there's at least large relief within a few minutes, and um, usually it doesn't come back. Um, he's asking what is the mechanism behind that?
1: Oh, so like we first discussed uh, in the beginning, so that there's uh, two Two pathways that P, uh, that I'm concerned with. Two pathways as far as PEMF working. One is a cellular pump, and the other one is electrical signals, which which is what nothing more than pain is. So the the PEMF signals um, help to, um, I guess, calm uh, to reduce the amount of pain signals that are being sent from the area of pain. So it's it's basically an analgesic. You know, it helps to reduce the sensation. Does it doesn't actually get rid of the pain? It's just what you're perceiving that that electrical signal is being blocked.
0: Okay, is that and um, is the field direction important?
1: Uh, n- well, like like the spooky with the you know. So I use that reference just because it's something people know. There's on the one side of the spooky it says B N for biomagnetic magnetic north. Um, the pillow that I use has a, a logo on one side to let me know which side is the negative side, uh, and that's the side that you almost always are going to use for therapies. Now. There have been occasions where um, a lot of headaches are caused by one of two things: either an, uh, a restriction of the blood vessels in the brain or an expansion of the blood vessels in the brain. So, based on, um,
0: one there's of actually those th- yeah, there's actually three causes. The third one is children. But please please, <laughs> please carry on. I don't
1: have any of those, so fortunately, thankfully, I don't uh, I don't have to deal with that one. But uh, yeah, so um, you know, if somebody has a constriction of the blood vessels in the brain. I'll use the positive side on the pillow. If somebody has an expansion of the blood vessels in the brain, I use the negative side. Um, I'm sorry, reverse that. Negative side for constriction, uh, positive side for expansion um, with the pillow. So I know which side to use it on. Uh, People who have migraines, they tend to be constrictions of the blood vessels in the brain. So with that, I would use the logo side down on the top of the head. Um, So, but but for most therapy, um, when you're laying on the full body mat, you're getting exposed to the negative field. Um, okay, I, I've, I've never flipped it over to use the positive. This is, that's just the way that that I was taught to use it.
0: Okay Hey, we better roll into our colloidal silver the second part of our topic. We're past oh, yeah. halfway <laughs> And this is the larger this is the uh, we've got more, more to go through here So let, let's hit this off now um, If you can explain to us please the different types of colloidal silver
1: Okay, so the only two that I know of okay, there's there's colloidal silver and there's ionic silver um, ionic silver I don't understand the complete process and the way that it's produced, but basically it gives up an electron, which causes a chemical reaction in the body. It prevents it from um, going through the digestive process. It's a different process. Um, Also it's an ion, which means it's not a complete um, molecule. Whereas with uh, colloidal silver, it's a silver silver particulate. So it's a silver silver atom or silver ion complete with its electron, has different effects. I, um, I can't say which one is better. I've only ever used colloidal silver. I've never used ionic silver, so I can't say if it's better or more effective, but um, there is some there, there is some interesting science behind it. So, I mean, I wouldn't doubt people you know, get benefits from using it.
0: Now, how does colloidal silver affect pathogens? Now,
1: there, I have read that there are some healing properties with silver. Um, as to whether or not that works, I can't say, uh, you know, anti-inflammation... Um, as well as pain relief. Uh, if I get sunburned, I surf on a regular basis. So if I get sunburned, I've sprayed it before on my skin. And next day, I don't peel. I'm not burnt. Um, I, I can't explain it. I had never read about it before. It was just something I tried. We use colloidal silver for everything. I mean, if, you, if it's viral bacterial, fungal, molds, you know, anything, we use it. Um, and you know, sometimes it works. I, very few instances that I've had that it doesn't work. Uh, For skin conditions, scalp conditions, eye conditions, ear conditions, nose conditions, uh, your throat—you know, like internal, uh, external—I use it for everything. You know,
0: right? Um, And you've also um, uh, mentioned pets, household cleaning, and even plants. I mean, plants is quite a good idea. We touched on this in a different seminar where the plant absorbs the the uh, the solvent. It's a it's a (laughs) very natural. And gentle way of ingesting it.
1: Yeah, I, I will ca- caution one thing and this is simply because uh, Cannabis is becoming a big thing now. A lot of people are growing their own cannabis You don't want to use silver with cannabis. It will cause your um, your plants to herby, which is turned into a hermaphrodite So silver should not be used certain plants I, I don't know if that applies to different ones, but I know that that works with canna- cannabis So silver shouldn't be used with cannabis if you're Okay.
0: And I won't ask the question of how you know that. Um, <laughs> now, um, what is Argyria?
1: Argyria is a skin condition that is pretty much non-extinct now, non-extinct or extinct now, um, that they've refined the process of making colloidal silver. Uh, the silver ions made in, say, the early 80s, late 80s, early 90s, uh, were very large particles, very large ions, um, and the concentrations were extremely high and people were drinking gallons of it every day. So what happened is they would get this blue skin condition uh, where the silver would build up under the skin. They go out in the sun, and it turns blue. Uh, the, silver, the silver under the skin tarnishes. Now, um, I know that um, not Frank... but uh, well, Yeah, it was Frank that uh, that did the original Colloidal Silver Show. Yes. He mentioned uh, DMSO as a, um, a product that can help relieve that. And now I've also heard that you can... Um, magnesium can also be used to alleviate uh, argyria now other than that i do not know or have not read of any other person having a reaction to colloidal silver. um it's you know it's i've given it to i it's probably in the hundreds you know between my clients my family members friends i give them as i give bottles of, as gifts so Um, I've never had anyone tell me of any kind of reaction, made anything worse. So,
0: yeah. I I guess with, uh, same with most things, just in in moderation, take it as you need it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. If you're responsible with it. Uh, I mean, so when I I work with my clients, when I give them colloidal silver that they take home, um, I tell them one shot a day is more than adequate, like one one ounce um, jigger. Um, if they start to feel sick, they can take three to five for short periods, but I never uh, I never recommend more than five uh, ounces a day for more than, say, three or five days. Um, and then I tell them after that, take a break for a few days, and then you can start up again. Um, I, I never – yeah, I mean, you could drink a whole – like, I use recycled wine bottles because they're perfect for it, but I would never, ever tell anybody, drink the whole bottle. I mean, even if they have cancer, I would never tell anybody, drink the whole bottle. You know, it's just – See how you feel. Start out slow because, like you said, different people are going to have different reactions. Not everybody is going to react the same way.
0: So, um, a question that a uh, a person asked was, "How much chlorosilver can I take for a sore throat?"
1: Um, again, it's it's hard to say. If if it's just a sore throat, um, you could do one ounce, say, two, three times a day, but gargle it before you swallow it. So you know, before you you swallow it down, gargle it for thirty to sixty seconds. That helps to get it in there and you know coat the throat a little bit and expose your throat to the silver. If you just swallow it, it will it will get into your system, but just you want it to be in contact as much as possible with whatever you're trying to uh, to um,
0: to treat. And what is the taste of colloidal silver?
1: I've never tasted anything. Um, I, you know, it's some people have said they taste a the metallic taste to it, but I, I've never tasted anything. It's it's never affected me um,
0: from my personal experience. If you leave chlorides running for a very long time, I'm assuming that's chlorides you're drinking there now, Kai. Um, it's
1: actually filtered water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the um, the. The uh, silver will have a taste because the concentration is higher and possibly because the particle size is larger if you leave it running for longer periods of time. Yeah, uh, definitely. And actually, the next question is rolling onto this Do different PPM have different tastes? So that's really asking Does stronger Koloda silver have a stronger taste or different taste to other? I lo- would
1: assume so. I can't, I, you know, I, my, the, the colloidal silver I make is usually between five to 10 parts per million yes. um, without, without expensive lab equipment. I can't really verify that, but um, you know, I don't taste anything, but I'm sure that if you get up, you know, they they sell colloidal silver in the 40, 50, 100, you know, I've seen them 200 parts per million. So I'm sure at that concentration level, you should be able to taste some of the silver. It would have a metallic taste to it.
0: Right. Yes, one of our um, online viewers, uh, Lens, has just said that uh, at the point of just when you start drinking chloro silver, you can just discern a bit of a metallic taste, which is uh, well. Thanks, thanks for that, Lens. Okay. Um, uh, someone states that if true chloro silver has no taste, and if there is a metallic taste, then you have ionic silver. I, um,
1: I I can't I couldn't verify that. Yeah, I've mm, never used ionic so.
0: No. Well, most colloidal silver has got a portion of, has got a percentage of ionic or ions yeah. within it, so mm-hmm. it may be why even colloidal silver has a taste after after doing a home brew for a while. Okay. Um, and you've already explained another question, what's the difference between colloidal silver and ironic silver, and you've pretty much touched on that uh, just, just previously. Um, now this question is how much and how often should I nebulize my colloidal silver which i guess is talking about inhaling colloidal silver using a nebulizer
1: yeah so i recommend to my mom to use it do do it once a day so in addition to ingesting in her one one ounce maintenance dose um she does the nebulizer as needed um with the colloidal silver uh she has emphysema and um some some copd so uh, the, the use of the colloidal silver helps to keep the inflammation and prevent any infections. Um, also, uh, we found that the, her using colloidal silver in her nebulizer every so often helps to prevent um, mold and uh, bacteria from building up in the nebulizer. So yeah, the, the, the amount of actual fluid or colloidal silver or solution you get in a nebulizer is is very small compared to what you use when you ingest like if you take an ounce a day the amount that you're going to use in a nebulizer will probably be like one-tenth of that amount it's not very much but it's enough to to give you a benefit because it's directly coming into contact with the lungs whereas if you ingest it it has to go through your circulatory system in order to get to
0: to the right right um how about using one of these small steamers or oh, a, mist- a, a misting machine. Yeah, oh, you mean
1: like the bowl you put your head over you, with the, with the towel over your head?
0: Well, that's I the mean, to- that, that, That's the high technology approach. The, the low technology <laughs> one I was talking about was when you just pl- you fill it up, fill up a little. It's an appliance, and you plug it into the wall. And yeah, I've, I've seen
1: them. Um, I haven't. I can't say if that works or not. I don't know. Like, I guess the the pathology of how how the silver it would have to evaporate with the steam, but in order to make steam distilled water, that's the process. So I would assume that the silver gets left behind when you when do mm. the steam. Mm. Um, the nebulizer actually, it, it, it's a different process whereby it actually converts the water directly into steam without losing the silver ions. But if you were to steam it through a bowl, I don't think that you would get the silver in through the steam that way.
0: Okay. And possibly, I guess if we did, that it'll be at reduced concentration.
1: Yeah, definitely
0: okay uh, let's see you've, um this person's asking how much and how often should I nebulize my color silver but you've pretty well answered that whether you're talking about
1: yeah once a, once a day is usually good if yes, you're having yes. severe lung issues
0: is color silver safe for pregnant woman
1: okay so uh, the FDA will tell me that I am NOT allowed to Answer this question, really, but I, I'll state that there have been no studies or no tests um, ever that have proven colloidal silver to be toxic to the human body. I mean, there there are some studies out there that have been proven to be false or you know um, sham, that the, the the methodology wasn't correct in the way that they did the testing, or I mean, I've read some some supposed studies that prove that colloidal silver is toxic toxic to cells, but if you look at the evidence and the testimonials, I like I said, I have never come across a single person. I mean, recently there were several people in Spooky who, uh, in one of the Spooky forums, who discussed that they, in their experience, had had some stomach issues um, using colloidal silver, and it is possible. I don't, you know, without knowing the exact concentration, the dosage, you know, other mitigating factors, but it is possible that the colloidal silver had an effect on their natural or good healthy gut bacteria. But um, other than that and maybe Argyria, I have never heard of anybody having a bad reaction.
0: Okay, an online question from um, Bev Wrighton um, in sunny New Zealand. Actually, New Zealand has been getting a share of storms for the last year, (laughs) but um, we'll just brush that to one side. Um, She's asking, can you use a metal spoon? to take your colloidal silver
1: yeah you could use it to ingest it but i wouldn't leave the spoon in the glass like i wouldn't like if you have a glass of, of colloidal silver i wouldn't leave the spoon in there and come back say like every two or three hours and drink a little bit of it um the sil- the, the spoon because it's metal may have some type of electrical charge due to the environment like static it might pick up static charge in the environment which would transfer yes. to the water causing the silver ions to oxidize and fall it would so uh i don't I think it's one of the questions I guess I'll answer it now. Um, the colloidal silver should be stored in a cool, dark place, um, away from electricity, away from heat. Um, these, if you if you keep in near electrical items or near any kind of warmth, it'll cause the silver ions to oxidize and fall to the bottom, basically rendering your colloidal silver water useless. Um, I, perfect thing to use is Recycled wine bottles. If you if you know if you drink wine or if you know somebody who drinks wine, save the wine bottles, rinse them out, sterilize them, and boil them in water, and then they make perfect containers. They're the great. They're a great color. They block out the ambient light. Uh, they work perfect. That's what we use.
0: What does the sunlight do to sulfur?
1: It, it oxidizes the silver. So it's the same thing like when we were talking about Algeria. Um, yes. You know, when people with the if the, the silver gets under the skin, it turns purple. Or blue, so that's what happens. If you expose um, the silver ions to light, uh, they will oxidize and just drop to the bottom. You, you almost never want to store your colloidal silver in a clear glass jar. That will okay. do nothing to preserve it.
0: Okay, katia uh, has uh, just asked online about the um, the time that it takes for making colloidal silver. Um, she, you're here. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if it's a woman or a man's name sorry Katie you, maybe you can correct me in, um, um, in the uh, chat section uh, part of the uh, summer but um, you're asking um, is is there any benefit in extending the time of um, when you're making the chlor and and is there a point where this uh, yeah, okay and she also asks is there any um, is there any point at which uh, you know we There'd be no increase in the amount of silver in solution. Have you had any experience, Kai? Uh, okay, so the,
1: I, I have not. I do not own the Spooky uh, Colloidal Silver Maker. It's on my list of things. I think I'm going to buy one just because I want to compare the two um, now that I've been reading a lot of what people have been discussing in the Spooky form. But going on the generator that I use, um, it takes me, I brew three, it's three to four hours um, using a quart-sized canning jar. And I get a, a concentration of approximately five to ten parts per million. Now you can get higher concentrations, although they've been proven not to be much more effective. Um, it's it's what's more important than the concentration is the actual size of the silver ions. Uh, smaller silver ions will allow or part. I'm sorry, ions is probably not the word I should be using. Silver particulates um, are more easily uh, uptaken into the body. They're more effective against pathogens, and they're flushed out of the body more easily. So, um, it's it, the the size of the silver uh, particulates is determined by the voltage and the current. So, uh, that's when you when you compare different colloidal silver generators out there, the, the primary difference between generators is going to be the voltage and the current or the amperage, um, and that's that determines the size. Now. Um, the, the company that I, the, the generator that I use is made by a company called The Silver Edge. Uh, it's b t h e Silver, S-I-V-E-R, E-D-G-E, Edge.com. So people are welcome to go there, check out their unit. Um, there's a ton of information on that site. They were one of my primary resources before I ever decided to buy a generator. So uh, you know, even if you don't buy, you know, you're not even considering buying it, I recommend people go there just to read the wealth of information that's collected on the site. Um, but according to them uh, five to ten parts per million uh, is in the is the perfect range based on the particle size that they have tested uh, from their units so they've actually paid to get the um, those really expensive lab tests which one I think like fifty thousand dollars to have the particle size tested and uh, they're they're in the nano uh, which is micron size I mean it's the thousandths of a meter so it's extremely small you uh, used to be able to do a test with you get a little silver, uh, a light, a silver pen, and you could shine it through the glass, and you would see reflection, refractions of light from the laser bouncing off of the silver. Now, because they perfected the process, that doesn't actually work. You can shine the, sil- the light into it, and it goes perfectly clear through, um, which, in my opinion, is a good thing. Um, it doesn't, doesn't mean to me that there's no silver in there. It means that the silver ions are extremely small. Which is, means they're more effective.
0: Particulates.
1: Partic- yeah, I'm used to saying ions, just because I've, that's what I've done, in, in you know, for so for for the last four years, five years. But I, I recently, I've, I'm trying to force myself because I've I've understood the difference now between ionic silver and colloidal silver, and they're not the same. So I shouldn't be saying ionic silver, but it's a habit.
0: Yes, the um ionic is uh, in reference to the ions. It's a particle. It's a. It's a molecule size, whereas um, colloidal is particulate or, or solid silver size. The way that uh, Spooky makes its colloidal silver, it uses a waveform, a special, very special waveform, which is uh, a pulse triangular, and it, it works in such a fashion that it sloths off particle sizes with each cycle of the waveform, and so it's not just purely voltage and current dependent, it's also uh, pattern dependent as well, the quality of the silver, so That's another way. I just thought I'd squeeze that in there. no plug for Spooky. (laughs) Okay, so where are we up to? Um, We've covered this one here. Uh, Is it safe to give colloidal silver to my child?
1: Uh, Again, the FDA limits what can be said about what colloidal silver can and cannot do, but I'll just state that there have been no studies that show that there's anything toxic or harmful about it. So uh, I I don't... I give, like I said, I give it to my pets. You know, we give it to our dogs in, our, in their water. I give it to my guinea pig. Guinea pigs are supposed to live, I believe, two years. This one's going on four and a half. <laughs> so you know, so I, I can't say that colloidal silver is a life extender, but, you know, it's, I think there are definitely some signs that there,
0: there's it's a, a, it's a sad day when you can't tell people something which is so safe. When we see advertisements for uh, paracetamol, and we can legally tell people, you know, Panadol is good for you and it will heal, you know, but you can die from eating capsules of Panadol, and you can't die from drinking gallons of silver, But yet, you can't. Well, talk it's, it's about. A, we have
1: a uh, we have an opioid epidemic occurring right now here in the United uh, States. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's 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 really bad, and it's amazing that the the pharmaceutical companies get away with you know distributing. Um, opioids opioids uh, at such a high level meanwhile something that's completely safe completely non-toxic um, is outlawed well it's not really outlawed you just can't make any claims on it you can't tell people what it's good for um, that would be practicing medicine
0: it's time for a change and a change has to yes, start it
1: with is. yes there is
0: <laughs> okay now um, will corotosalva help with tooth pain
1: I've, okay so It will help with the infection. It's not going to be an analgesic. It's not going to reduce the pain. But if you have an abscess or a tooth infection, it can definitely help um, prevent it from getting worse. Uh, I I would not recommend if you have got really bad tooth pain, don't think colloidal silver is going to prevent you from having to go to the dentist. You definitely still need to go to the dentist. Chances are that if you're in that much pain, you need some dental work. But in the short term, while you're waiting, it, it can definitely help reduce infections, um, prevent cavities from getting worse. Um, I, I've used it myself. I had a, unfortunately had to have a tooth pulled a few months ago. And every night I had colloidal silver and swishing around in my mouth for an hour, one and a half hours, two hours at a time, um, just to help prevent the infection. And I, I think that made a huge difference when I actually had to go have the operation, because um, once they pulled the tooth, uh, I, again, this is theoretical. I, I can't state that there's anything to prove it, but maybe some saturation of the silver particulates into the tissue around the skin prevented any infection because um, I was, there was almost no bleeding within a few hours. I was completely fine, no pain, and I, they wanted to give me painkillers. I told them I didn't need them, um, so it, it, it helped with me, but uh, you know, it's, it's not a cure-all. You know, it could provide some benefits, but there's still some risks.
0: Now, this next question is a good one. Um, you take colloidal silver, you drink it for um, general, its general antiseptic qualities. But wouldn't that kill the uh, bug flora that's in your stomach?
1: There, there is some concern um, that because because the colloidal silver goes after any single celled organism and the good bacteria in your gut, in your stomach, which you need, the beneficial flora, um, those are mostly single-celled organisms. So, silver is not going to discriminate against good or bad bacteria. Um, as I've told many people in the Spooky Forum, uh, if you're eating healthy, fiber-rich foods, um, replenishing the bacteria with either probiotics or fermented foods like kefir, um, kimchi, um, or natto in Japan, you know, fermented foods, uh, avoiding toxic foods, genetically modified foods. Um, avoiding toxic ingredients that you put on your skin because that stuff gets absorbed into your body. If you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing, getting vitamins, vitamin D from the sun, preferably, um, your immune system is going to be strong and your body will bounce back. There's, you're not going to have a reaction. Now, again, if you're if you're drinking alcohol every night, you know, going going to McDonald's or Taco Bell for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, taking an ounce of colloidal silver is probably going to, it, it, well, I don't say probably, could potentially cause more harm than good because you'll be killing all of the bacteria in your stomach. And at that point, you, your your digestive system won't be able to function the way that it's supposed to by breaking down um, a lot of the toxins that are in the food that you're consuming. So just by simply keeping your healthy flora, the, the beneficial flora up, um, it's gonna be, uh, more effective at helping you keep your health Um, so taking the colloidal silver is not gonna is not gonna make that much of a difference
0: right okay um there what's the highest strength colloidal silver to get to sort a gut bacteria problem that i think that a better question could possibly be what's the lowest because you don't want to um consume a very high ppm colloidal silver
1: yeah, like we Would said, be... the higher PPMs don't necessarily mean that it's going to be more effective. Mm. Uh, I think five is the baseline. You, I don't think you want to go below five parts per million. Uh, I try to work with five to ten parts per million in that range. Um, uh, you, you could go as high as 20 or 30, but effectiveness, it doesn't mean it's going to be more effective, but it'll probably cost you more money.
0: Okay. Uh, Bev from sunny New Zealand. Oops, I'll that again, as I uh, said. Okay. Um why does the water of chlorosilver go grey if you don't use um, distilled water?
1: Okay, so if you use if you try to use filtered or spring water, uh, the minerals, the impurities that are in the water will it, not just prevent the silver uh, particulates from releasing for the silver, but there's an actual reaction that takes place due to the electrical current. So that's where you get that cloudiness. Um, there's been arguments on the internet far and wide as to whether or not that cloudiness is harmful or beneficial. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's any s- that definitive answer on that. I The close silver I make is perfectly clear. There is no cloudiness. Um, I, if there is cloudiness, it doesn't mean it's not going to work. I, I just think that, you you, for me, my opinion, I think you could be taking some risks because if you have that much cloudiness, not only are the si- silver particulates quite large because that's the only way we can see them but in that concentration where it makes the it makes the water cloudy um, your body may not be able to flush it out as sufficiently or as easily as you would like so if you're drinking that on a daily basis you could get overloaded very quickly
0: okay uh, another question do i need to take colloidal silver on an empty stomach
1: it's preferable it prevents okay. the, the silver particulates from binding up or uh, connecting with the food. You know, if you, if you if you take it on a full stomach, uh, chances are a lot of the silver is going to just go through with the food and get flushed out through the digestive system.
0: Okay, would colloidal silver work on flesh eating bacteria?
1: Okay, again, I can't diagnose or treat a condition, but I will say that it has been proven effective. Um, they they're actually doing studies now on um, like MRSA. Uh, 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 what are called uh, penicillin resistant or vaccine resistant uh, pathogens and colloidal silver or silver in general is one of the few things that seems to provide any benefit to um, viruses and bacteria that have become resistant to the majority of penicillins uh, vaccines um, and pharmaceutical drugs that we use
0: gosh isn't it awful you know (laughs) that they're running out of ideas with um the antibiotics, and so they're turning back to what worked in, in the good old days.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's sad, though, because, you know, they, they won't allow people to share information such, you know, like, like we're trying to do about the different uses, and, you know, what can colloidal silver be used for, so they'll tell us that we can't actually talk about these things, but meanwhile, a lot of hospitals are buying products now where silver is incorporated into the bed sheets, the, yes. uh, the, the rags, into the surgical instruments, um, into... Uh, the face masks, face mask breathers, almost everything. Now they're starting to incorporate. Uh, I read about a uh, medical facility in Germany last week that uh, they're doing a trial or a trial run where they've um, almost everything that they use uh, for surgeries and um, in their hospital rooms is coated with uh, nanosilver into the materials, uh, and that's supposed to help prevent the spread of um, pathogens and bacteria viruses.
0: So something so simple. And they will have um, copper handrails. Because copper is another um, antibacterial um, metal. They have this this exposed copper handrails. And these are public handrails. And they do bacterial swabs. And they they don't have bacteria, live bacteria on them.
1: um, Most most of the heavy metals in, in, in very minute amounts and small particles can have some beneficial effect. Copper, gold, you, know, you, you talked with Frank about gold. Um, the problem is that silver, uh, well, the, the benefit with silver is that it has a much higher toxic load. So you can uh, you can ingest colloidal silver at a much higher rate or a higher volume than you could, say, colloidal gold or colloidal copper before it becomes toxic within the body.
0: That's good to know. Okay. Okay. Um... Um, uh, several of these questions have been answered already so I won't ask them again uh, but this is a follow on, on to the water that is, can be used with colloidal silver um, can you make colloidal silver with alkaline water
1: okay I don't recommend it uh, in order to achieve that alkalinity they have to add minerals to the water uh, and those minerals like we discussed with with purified or filtered drinking water will prevent proper um, Proper production of the colloidal silver, so it should be just distilled water, um, no filtered water, or okay. water.
0: And what kind of silver um, should one use for making colloidal silver?
1: Okay, when you okay, so most generators, well, uh, most generators uh, or the generation process uses silver rods. So you can buy silver rods in various gauge sizes. They go all the way from say like four gauge up to twenty-four gauge. Uh, I use ten gauge colloidal silver. And then the other thing you look for is uh, the purity. So uh, it should be pure. Either It'll either say 99.99% or it'll say 0.999. That's what you want to look for. Um, There's different types out there like 0.9, 0.99. You want to try and get as pure as possible. Um, That will make sure that the quality of your solution is as high as possible
0: it's actually very difficult to get silver that that quality we sell um silver because we we supply for our own our own, kit, own kits and it was very hard to find a supplier that was um that could certify through third-party certification prove that the silver was the true high quality that they state. and even even very reputable companies have difficulty in, in supplying the Documents which prove that their quality is high, and so there's a you know 99.99. Well, where's the documentation? Oh, we had a test at once. Uh, so there's no. It might have been 0.99 at one day, and in, in the next week, you know, it'll be dropping down again. You've got to have consistency. So it's very hard to find a good supplier. So <laughs> it,
1: it is a concern, but uh, you know, I, I it, it's one of those things that you unfortunately, you know, especially due to the cost of silver. Um, mm. A pair of silver rods, on the cheap end will be twenty five dollars, on the high end will be forty five, usually without shipping. So, and those are six inch rods at about ten gauge. So, it, it, it's unfortunately it's just something that you have to trust. Uh, I have a good supplier that they, I they I, I have not had a single issue with their silver rods, and they're great price. I get I get two pairs for thirty five dollars plus shipping, which is unbeatable. I can't find that other that price anywhere else. So. Is the, is the quality lower? Possibly, but I have no way to verify, so I try not to worry about it.
0: The, um, how long do your silver rods last for?
1: I usually go about 25 gallons. I, you could probably go a lot more uh, on a set of rods, but the the problem is that once you start to get to the end of the lifespan of the silver rods, you end up having to increase the runtime uh, on the generators in order to get the silver Concentration that you want, and because I can't actually test the concentration, I don't like to mess with it. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, take the risk that the concentration is either higher or lower than where I want it. So, I what I do is I count out, I mark out 25 gallons as I go through a gallon store I mark it out, I go 25 gallons, I change the rods. I mean, if, if I get more than enough use, my value out of the silver rod, so I'm not concerned at that point if you know if I throw away two dollars worth of silver, it's not gonna. I'm not going to cry over it, but 25 gallons is the magic number for me.
0: Now, um, Rog Davidson is asking: Do you stir your solver?
1: Mine has a bubbler, so I don't need to stir it. Okay. But it is it is recommended, you know that you uh, I I know that the, the spooky one there is there is a recommendation to stir it once during the process.
0: We have continuous stirring. Is, um stirring all the time whilst the chlorosilver is oh, okay. being produced. It's a way of um, ensuring that um, particulates don't um, congregate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep, keeping, keeping the particle size very, very small. Yeah. Um, h- how do you measure your PPM? How do you know when to throw the off, you know, throw the off switch?
1: For me, I can only go by what the manufacturer recommended. Uh, I, again, the, to get an actual colloidal silver solution tested can run in the, in the thousands of dollars. Uh, it's, it's done on very high uh, Are very expensive lab equipment. So I, I, don't, I don't have access to that So I go by what the manufacturer recommends and five to ten parts per million is three hours to four hours on my generator
0: so, yeah. Okay, so it's more time based rather than uh, Measurement based. Yes. Yeah, okay uh, Okay, um, and how do you know if your colloidal solver is successful?
1: It, that answer is going to be subjective I can only go by the testimonials uh, and my personal experiences. And like I said, we use it for everything. I've used it for eye infections, ear infections, nose infections, or sinus infections. Um, I Like I showed you here, I have a little, this is my little saline bottle. Um, it used to hold saline water in it. I emptied the saline out. I keep colloidal silver in it. And whenever my sinuses are bothering me, I use that in my sinuses. You can use it uh, on your skin, for skin rashes, ex- eczema. I mean, um, internal external uh, we use it for everything um, so yeah the first that's my default I go to that first and if it doesn't work then I look for other options and, Would and you, again I just I want to clarify anything viral bacterial or fungal um, it's not going to work if it's not viral bacterial or fungal.
0: That's well you has been everything though anyway except for breaking. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> well I think we've um, covered all the questions and uh, we've gotten into overtime and um, I know the questions online as well. Kai, thank you so much for coming um, on board with us in our summer talk. Um, oh, yes. Now, how do people contact you? If, uh, if so my,
1: my business email is, is life, L-I-F-E, energy, E-N-E-R-G-Y, resources, R-E-S-O-U-R-C-E-S, Hawaii, H-I, at hotmail.com. One more thing. Uh, I, just, I know people want to get going, so I'm just going to – these are the, the books that I wanted to show. I totally okay, – so this this one right here is called Magnet. It's Magnet Therapy. Um, this one is by William Philpott. So this is a very good book, and it looks like it's reversed there. I don't know why. But it's called Magnet Therapy um, by Philpott. Uh, this is Vibrational Medicine by Richard Gerber. Uh, this is a very good book. This is also by Richard Gerber. It's called A Practical Guide to Vibrational Medicine. Um, Both of these books cover PEMF therapy in addition to a wide range of other um, energy therapies. And then the last one, uh, this is PEMF, uh, The Fifth Element of Health. Uh, This is by Bryant Myers. Uh, It's it's a very basic book. It's an introduction to PEMF therapy, uh, the basic science behind it. It's not very detailed. It doesn't go into frequencies. Um, or actual applications, but um, it's a very informative book for anybody who wants to uh, start getting involved in PEMF.
0: Great. Thank you, Kai. And thank you, viewers, for watching the 20th episode of Sema. Thank you you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Good night.